This is Unfilter, episode 152 for July 29th, 2015. I love my work. But under our Constitution, I cannot run again. I can't run again. I actually think I'm a pretty good president. I think if I ran, I could win. But I can't. And while the president may not be able to run for president, once again, we are back for another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you shouldn't be watching. We missed you guys last week. We're back. My name's Chase. That's Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, buddy. I want to say a big, big, big apology last week. Yeah. We uh, had all the intentions to do a Friday edition, which is actually kind of exciting for us from a news cycle perspective. Yeah. uh, Just because we don't normally do it on a Friday. We were ready. Uh, But uh, I I thought I had food poisoning. So here's what happened is I came back Thursday. Yeah. Friday morning I woke up. I felt a little sick, but I thought it would pass. I thought, oh, maybe I just, uh, something didn't agree with me. Even though I didn't, I I ate pretty good. A little too much Obama in your diet? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but uh, no, I ended Too up. Much Hillary. I ended up with uh, with some concrete because it was oh. obviously transferable, but it seemed bacterial transferable because mm. it's only with all of the people I made out with. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, hey Chase, coming up on this. So big apologies because I actually I wanted to make a post to say we, we couldn't do it. We did manage to make a Twitter post and update the calendar, yeah. but like I was in bed for two days. Yeah, so, you're out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this week, we have a lot to cover. We're going to try to be lean and not overdo it for making it up, making it up but we have a lot of content. Yeah. Towards the end, we're also going to do a, 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 like a, a milestone marker update because we are days away from the first presidential debate. Really? Yeah. Are we that close? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Time so, flies when you're not having fun, let me tell you. Yeah, we're going to take a snapshot right here in episode 152 of the Unfiltered program. Of that. You but, did it again! You did it again! You did it again! I did sneak it in. I did sneak it in. All right, But fine. before we do all that, we do have an NSA update. We yeah. have some world news. The yes. US, we have U.S. news. We but, have an ISIS Chris, update. none of that is important. None of that no. matters because, Chase, what happens right here uh. is... Every now and then on the Unfilter Show, we Wait, have the, is that Wolf over We there? have the rare privilege of breaking a little bit of news. This is oh. CNN's Wolf Blitzer, and you're in the Situation Room. Reporting live from the Pacific Northwest Bureau in the Seattle District, my name is Chris Fisher, and I have a very special report. Now... Wolf, stand by for this. You're not going to believe it. We have a special link up. It's from a website. We can't verify verify the source. It's coming from YouTube right now. But our special location reporter, Chase Nudis, in the northwest from the Seattle area. Chase, what are you seeing now? Hi, Chris. It's good to see you. Chase, what are you... Yeah, hi, Chris. It's good to... Hey, Chase, go ahead. You're on satellite. Oh, shit. Uh... Go, just go ahead, Chase. Chase yeah, hi. What, are you, what are you learning? Great. What are you learning? Yes, yeah, so uh, what we're learning here is crime is still very rampant in the city of Marysville, Washington. We got this exclusive security video showing criminals in the act. If you look at the right side of your screen, you will notice a gentleman uh, appears to be of young age walking down the street. And as he walks down the street, you will notice that he was tossing, yeah, that's right, tossing mail as he reads hey, uh, it. Chase. Yes, go ahead, Wolf. I mean, Chris. Yeah, uh, Chase, uh... Is that your car? Is this your house? Yes, that is. <laughs> yes, Wolf. That is, I mean, yes, Chris. That is my house. That is my car. Those are hoodlums walking down the street. Yes. I'm Wolf Blitzer. Yes, go ahead, Wolf. I mean, Chris. Thanks. Uh, Chase, uh, I- I'm just looking at the report here. Uh, this is your second report you filed, both of which have been from your house. Um, yes, telecommuting is great, Chris. Are you... Uh, are you doing yeah. any reporting outside of your house? Yes. Uh, well, uh, I, I'm being. I'm. 
I'm being told that I have to go. Oh, oh all right, okay, good. Yeah, so look, so uh, well, look at it, you, huh? yeah. So, so this the security system. So, he, so here's what happened. I'll just kind of give a little background. I was leaving for work on Monday, and I noticed uh, if you can come back to, to my shot real mm. quick one more time. Of course, Jason. Of um, course. If you right there, uh, see at the end of the driveway <laughs> that envelope. <laughs> Okay. Do you see the envelope? Yeah. yeah I okay. see the piece of paper. Chase. You see the? It's an envelope, Chris. It's an envelope. <laughs> okay. That's from Boeing. Anyway, you looked at it. Well, yeah. Well, it was. It caught my eye because I went and got in my car, and before I got in my car, I was like, "What? What's at the end of my driveway?" And I noticed there's this envelope. So, what I'm, are you learning, Chase? What I'm learning is <laughs> that people went through our mailboxes through the entire neighborhood. The one thing that's interesting, though, criminals are not very smart. Not only because obviously they got caught on camera or whatever, mm. but they went through mailboxes on a Sunday. Oh my goodness! It's almost like crime doesn't pay. And <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <sighs> but you know, <laughs> no, actually, you know what? You need you need a new sound bumper. Yeah. Why is that? You, you, we you're, do. You're right. We you, need like you're a, watch CSI Miami. We need like a Chase Nunes crime scene update. No, no. You need a CSI Miami. You know the guy who puts on his glasses. I don't need that. Horatio. I don't need that. I think that's his name. And you know he's the cop. He goes. And I guess crime doesn't pay. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so, yeah. You yeah. know what, Chase? Yeah. Maybe you see those young kids that are rifling through your mail. You know what their problem is? What's their problem? Chris? They didn't have something to focus on. In, like in the elections. Or. Benghazi? Like, nope. Or the FBI? Nope. Or the NSA? Cyber war, Chase. Cyber! Well, forget bonfires and archery. One summer camp is all about codes and hacks. It's funded in part by the National Security Agency, the NSA. So it's a summer camp wait, funded by the wait, NSA. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out for a minute. Yeah, okay. Forget about archery? Yeah. Whoa, he pulled that out. I bet the archery... Players of America are really pissed off by First that. First of comment. all, why can't NSA camp have archery? I know why can't they? It seems like hack. That's a good skill for. I hackers. mean, I mean, I don't know if you've heard, but in the news lately, you know about that guy who who. Uh, yeah, I know about that down, guy that took down the lion. Sure, I know about that. You know guy. what he used? He used a bow and a arrow. A bow and arrow. Archery. Archery. There but you is go. Government sponsored brainwashing, as some have said, <laughs> or a good way to recruit the next generation of cybersecurity experts. To stop cyber crimes from arriving. I love that. Look, so they got a shot of some kids. They got the stereotypical nerd glasses, shaved head, and he's reading an XKCD comic. Yeah, password strength. Isn't that yeah, great? That's great. Well, remember, this is file video. This is on Fox and Friends. This is file morning, video. Morning video here. Yes. On the world. Let's ask A. May Tabor. She runs the Gen Cyber Camp at UC Berkeley. Now, who's that, Chase? Who's that? That's uh, who's the who's that uh, who's that anchor right there, Chase? Uh, I don't know. Really? I have no idea who that is. You don't know that's Clayton Morris. That's oh really? The guy that's on Twit all the time. Natalie Morris is 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 his. Oh really? The, yeah, I didn't yeah. even recognize him. Yeah, maybe it's be his eyebrows. He's the guy. He's got a couple of apps in the app store. He's, wow. a, he's got he's got his own podcast network. Oh, good for him. Well, yeah, it's great for him. Great, great guy. Called Cyber. It's one of dozens of summer camps across the country. Nice to see you this morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Clayton. So, how does this camp work? Good morning. Well, uh, the Gen Cyber Camps, as you mentioned, are funded jointly by the National Security Agency and the National Science Foundation. There are about 43 of them in the nation right now in wow. 18 states. How do I get my kids signed up? I was going to say, where was this when I was a kid? I want some of this NSA money. I know, man. I want to And be one of them is at UC Berkeley. So we have 22 students under my watch. Um, I'll be teaching them about cybersecurity and privacy. Oh, I bet you will. Oh, wait. Wait, uh, wait, wait. wait. Pri- <laughs> privacy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have right. to teach privacy? The NSA, the NSA funded class is going to teach the students about privacy. Yeah, I wow. bet you're going to be doing that. Uh, cyber ethics, uh, how to get into <laughs> <You're> cyber. <laughs> how is she saying this with a straight face? Really? College and be successful in computer science uh. and programming. So obviously, I, I don't know if you, you, you know the, the the laughing part of this that has come from the criticism is that you guys are teaching ethics on privacy, and yet the NSA, of course, in the heap of criticism over the past year has been caught red-handed spying on American citizens. Are the students aware of that part of the curriculum? Are they being taught about Edward Snowden? No, no, absolutely not. We do not teach our students anything about Snowden. You know, that is a bad word. If, they get detention. If Putin, if Putin launched an initiative, right. 
where uh, the Putin, the Kremlin government was uh, funding the education of students. Yeah. like this, right. we would we would de- we would declare it as absolute propaganda. Oh yeah, we, yeah, totally. Yeah, but uh, remember, it's now legal for us to do propaganda on the news. It's legal for us yeah. to. Side note: I think yeah. Clayton Morris is one of those men who looks much better without makeup. He looks worse with makeup on. Yeah, Just yeah. side note there. And of course, the controversy that unfolded. Well, each one of the camps, like I said, there are 43, um, has an ethics uh, component. Um, but I would say that's not really what these camps are about. Yeah, we don't so focus most on of that. my students, when they entered, did not know much wow. about Edward Snowden. Snowden. Did you notice Snowden. how she Snowden. Com- Snowden. She can't even. She you, missed, even... You, you missed something there. Now, I don't know if this was intentional. Hold on, hold on, or let me not. back it up. Let's see if I catch it. Let me okay, see if I catch all right, it. All right. right. So, okay. Watch 43 um, has an ethics uh, component. Um, Did you notice but it? I would say that. No, let me see here. Okay, okay. All right. Hold on. I got to back it up a little more. So, is it a body language thing I'm watching? It's a body language thing. All right. So, uh, I'm going to back it up just so I can so I can see her whole reaction. Then I'll see if I can catch it. Okay. I noticed the big thing that jumped out to me, she doesn't even know how to say Edward Snowden's name. So, I doubt she's talking much about him in class. Are they being taught about Edward Snowden? and, of course, the controversy that unfolded? Well, each one of the camps, like I said, there are 43, um, has an ethics uh, component. Um, but I would say that's not really what these camps are about. So most of my students, when they entered, did not know much about Edward Snowden. I think, I could be dead wrong, but she had some sort of, she's there to promote this for the NSA, obviously. And I well, think she has. She's, a, I mean, what, I, I, that aside, maybe no, I, I think actually, she has a talking points document. That's what you, I think. Well, sure. Before you go there, though, yeah. she is. She's getting a job funded by the NSA. Yeah. So of course she's she she's. She might not even be there directly for the NSA, but if that's where her paycheck's coming from. But the worst thing is she totally softballed it right up to him when she talked about ethics and privacy. And right. then uh, how is he – I mean, he's a good how, reporter. How is he not going to ask her about those things? Well, actually, I was kind of surprised he did ask her about those things. But he did. Yeah, and, and, well, yeah and, he did. And she was like, uh, uh. They being taught about Edward Snowden and, of course, the controversy that unfolded. Well, each one of the camps, like I said, there are 43, um, has an ethics uh, component. Um, But I would say that's not really what these camps are about. An ethics component. So an ethics component, if it's a government-sponsored camp, would be the ethics of whistleblowing, not the ethics of should Edward Snowden have done it. That's not what they're teaching. They're Mm. teaching... How ethical was it for him to betray the trust of his government? Right. So most of my students, when they entered, did not know much about Edward Snowden. We're going into our last week, and we're talking now about nation states and um, what you know what the cybersecurity issues are at this level. But again, the camps are not about you know Snowden about the NSA. It's an opportunity for the students to learn skills. And now, why did she mention the nation state thing? That makes it sound like they teach that Snowden is a nation state sponsored actor. Talking now about about nation states and um, what you know what the cybersecurity issues are. It sounds like that's weird. Yeah. Why even mention Nate? Wait, I mean, Makes she it sound well, like we don't really talk to our kids about you know we have an ethics Snowden, component, but now in this last area we're nation talking about yeah. weird at this level. But again, the camps are not about you know Snowden about the NSA. It's an opportunity for the students to learn skills and programming, learn about protecting their own privacy, and get them interested in protecting the nation's cyber wait, infrastructure. Wait a minute. Here's a sample this? of some of the curriculum: uh, network forensics, protecting a private accounts. Cyber ethics and programming, as you mentioned, this is hilarious. Is any to of the curricul- They're talking about protecting private accounts, yet this is the same agency who wants those encryption codes yeah. and those sequences to look at those instant messages well, that are yeah. terrorists are getting. Yeah, and it, well, the, but the public, but yeah, that's true. But of course, they want that. But so does the FBI. It's the FBI that's making the biggest public stink about that. I know, yeah. but yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Being dictated to you by the NSA. Oh, not at all. So each uh, university develops its own curriculum. Um, I was a spearhead uh, with the help of my security faculty on the UC Berkeley campus, developed our own unique curriculum. And our curriculum focuses on privacy. It's built on a teaching privacy curriculum that was also developed at UC Berkeley by the International Computer Science Institute. Um, We are a center, the trust center, focused on cybersecurity research and education. So our camp is unique. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, we've seen a number of big hacks over the past couple of months, including the State Department, most notably. Um, How important is it to have these young people learning about uh, cybersecurity? 
It's super important. We have anywhere from 600,000 to 1 million jobs open in cyber right now in the United States. Cyber and so we need a wealth of individuals to fill these jobs. And as of right now, that pipeline is not there. We're not getting the number of professionals in cyber that we need. So in a, the National Science Foundation, the National Security... She almost said NSA. Did you hear it? She yeah. almost said it. Let's play it back. So in a... The, uh-huh. 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 That pipeline is not there. We're not getting the number of professionals in cyber that we need. So in a, the National Science Foundation, the National Security Agency are doing qu- have, well, have taken quite a... To be fair, she's saying a lot of nationals, so yeah. I, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. It's funny, though. Yeah. An innovative approach to building that pipeline. They're reaching directly to uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers oh, around good. the country to get them involved. Um, there are... Yeah. Pretty famous camps in most major urban areas, but a lot of them are cost prohibitive, cost, cost prohibitive, costing thousands of dollars or more. And so they are trying to fund camps to remove those barriers. Clay, All right, like Nate Tabor, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Isn't oh, least, I'm glad yeah. that they're they're teaching our youth about privacy. Now we have to talk about this next story. Chase. All right. Yes. It's it's uh, it, you know we couldn't avoid that on the unfiltered show. It, it has to be covered by us. It's this SUV hacking. Story. New evidence this morning backs the cybersecurity warning brought by 60 Minutes in February. Two computer experts figured out how to hack into some leading automakers' vehicles. New video shows them taking control of a Wi-Fi equipped Jeep. Revelation Tuesday came as senators took on the threat. Chris Van Cleve is in Washington with how far the hackers got. Chris, good morning. Well, good morning. We know cars are getting smarter, and almost every new car on the road has some kind of wireless technology. Most of it centers around what's known as the head unit. That's the display here in the center of the dashboard. It's got your radio, your navigation system, and this one even has a Wi-Fi hotspot. And that's part of how the hackers got in the vehicle. For years, car makers have been saying you can't go from the head unit to the, to the driver's seat, well, it appears they were wrong. They were killing the engine right now. Actually, it accelerates. It says miles an hour, but I'm not going that fast. It's a video that rocked the automotive world and grabbed the attention of Congress. Cybersecurity experts Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek showed they can remotely hack this Jeep, driven by a reporter from Wired, who produced this video and posted it on their website Tuesday. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Do you know what my first thought was? And I, I hate this. This is what the show's done to me. All right, go ahead. My first thought was Michael Hastings. My first thought was that journalist in that Mercedes who smashed oh, into that tree. Yeah. Who's doing a story about how the FBI was behind these ISIS terror plots. He was about to publish that, and then he smashed into a tree. And people said his control, his car was remotely controlled. And then people said, it's not technically possible. It's not technically possible. But yet his car had all of the components that they're talking about. Now, here's my – we just saw in the clip there the driver let go of the steering wheel let it steer on its own. Mm-hmm. Can he not drive? Uh, that, what? Would it rip his arms off? I Why wonder, did he let I, go of the steering I, wheel? I wonder how much, is, uh, how much of this is technically possible. Some of this doesn't seem technically possible to me. Right. But I, I acknowledge that... You were that able to access the Jeep Cherokee over its 3G connection. The pair, who work as ethical hackers, were miles away using the Internet to get inside the Jeep's infotainment system, controlling the radio and nav system. You know, Noah had a rental car while we were at OSCON. Same thing, right. Microsoft Sync. It was like a year or two old. Right. And all of this stuff is, you know, here's the thing, Chase, is technically I could see how this is possible because... Right. Uh, are you familiar with the CAN bus system? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how, if you want to. I'm not. I'll just give you my layman's. Yeah, no, that's what I would do. <clears throat> so a lot of the electronics in a car are using a, a CAN bus communications infrastructure that for better, for like a, for a relative term, is like a, du- a dumb hub that everything is just plugged into. And when you have like an entertainment system, uh, it also is plugged into the canvas system because maybe that's how it gets its power. That's how it gets a signal from the engine. Perhaps that maybe that's how it gets its signal that the emergency brake has been released so that right. way it has to suspend DVD playback. It's connected to the CAN bus interface. And so the theory here is that if you compromise the system via the 
Wi-Fi system or the Bluetooth. You know, maybe it's like an old Windows CE system. In the case of like a Microsoft uh, CE, a Microsoft Sync system, it's an old Windows CE system with a vulnerable v- Bluetooth stack. You compromise the Bluetooth stack. You get at, you get administrative access, system level system level access to the Windows CE kernel, and maybe that CE kernel has a network interface that sits on the CAN bus interface, and that CE kernel has a network interface that sits on the Bluetooth interface. And as a bad guy, you can now send packets from the Bluetooth interface to the CAN bus interface, which in theory could interface with the engine or the steering wheel or the climate control. I would think in theory that should be technically possible. But in a lot of cases, some of these things are just, like, not actually connected at a wired level. Yeah, I mean, this is what I wonder. I mean, first off, how do they – I don't know if they explain it or not, but how do they go in specifically – to you know his specific vehicle. Obviously, this was a planned setup attempt, of course. So yes, they knew exactly. Right. They had to know his IP and all that kind of stuff. Right, exactly. And then the other things I wonder is, which you would if it was a targeted killing, you might know their IP. Right. I mean, but would he not be able to turn off the vehicle? Would he what to, to remove the key? Would he not be able to throw the emergency brake? I mean, what about those or shift at to park or to neutral? I mean, those those are the basic things that I think about. Uh, I mean, when let's you, watch and find out. Yeah, let's yeah. watch and find out. Who work as ethical hackers? We're miles away using the internet to get inside the Jeep's infotainment system, controlling the radio and nav system. Oh my God! That was a picture of Charlie and Chris in tracksuits that just appeared on the dashboard. From there, we were actually be, uh, able to move to a different processor that was involved in in-vehicle communications, so things like braking, steering, transmission. The wired video shows the hackers disabling the Jeep's brakes, leaving it to slide into a ditch. They estimate as many as 471,000 vehicles, including Jeep, using the Fiat Chrysler U-Connect system could be vulnerable. Mm. This is a huge wake-up call. CNET's Brian Cooley. We're starting to see the world's biggest game of cops and robbers play out not just in the virtual world, but now with things that weigh a couple of tons and have a trajectory. When I hit the fruit... Oh, my gosh. In February, 60 Minutes showed the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency was able to use a laptop to take over a car. Oh, no, 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 no. DARPA is trying to develop hack-proof vehicles and provided funding for Miller and Valisek's three-year effort. But only if they allow back doors to the government. A report from Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey found earlier this year security measures to prevent remote access to vehicle electronics are inconsistent and haphazard. That makes How sense. concerned are you that hackers may go after our cars? Unfortunately, I think we have to anticipate that they will. The senator is now introducing new legislation to require cybersecurity and privacy protections be applied to cars. We have to begin to build the protections in now, give the warnings now to American families that they could, in fact, have a dangerous vehicle without protection against hacking. Hackers did keep the automaker informed about their efforts to hack the vehicle, and a fix has now been put out for drivers. In a statement to CBS this morning, Fiat Chrysler, which makes the Jeep Cherokee, says FCA has has a dedicated team focused on identifying and implementing software best practices across FCA globally. Gail? All right, Chris. Thank you very much. I love that. I love that. So uh, what do you think, Chase? Uh, is there is there is there hype there, or is there maybe some actual fire behind this? I smoke? think there's a little fire, sure. I think a lot of the uh, car companies they they don't think about these things. They just kind of throw it together and like, oh, this is cool, this is nice, and they don't think about security. That being said, it leads to the whole Mercedes situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, gosh, the whole Hastings situation, yeah, Hastings, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's switch to a, a worldview here and talk right. a little bit about uh, Greece, and uh, we haven't uh, talked about it. Well, since our last episode, since we were off the air two weeks ago, we're going to go a little bit back in time to uh, the 15th of this month, and there was the, the, the debate in progress, and then we'll move forward from there. We'll go, we'll go now. The Greek Parliament or- has until the end of the day to swallow the austerity reforms demanded by the European creditors to get a third bailout. The difficulty of the situation is written on the face of the new finance minister, with members of the ruling Syriza party in open revolt. Two members from the finance ministry have already resigned over the bailout, comparing it to a tombstone. The government overall came to power promising to end austerity. That was their big platform, you know, so their whole platform is we're going to end austerity. Metamnimonia, 
Η χώρα δεν πάει μπροστά. Μνημόνιο ή καταστροφή είναι τρομοκρατικό δίλημα. Είναι ένα ανύπαρκτο δίλημα. Η εκβιαζόμενη αλλά έχοντας συνειδητοποιήσει πως στην παρούσα φάση ο λαός είπε όχι όχι σε νέα μνημόνια. Δεν έχουμε δικαίωμα να παραβιάσουμε As for the Greek Prime Minister Alexei Tsipras, who sealed and welcomed the deal, even he showing little enthusiasm for it. The results of the Euro Summit and the results of the Euro Group was the result of pressure put on a country and on a people who decided in a democratic way. There was blackmail and suffocation. And the Greek people also aren't convinced the deal will benefit the country. Anti-austerity rallies are gathering across Greece and public workers are holding a 24-hour strike. So the people seem pretty passionate about it. They yeah, don't they, want they austerity. Don't want it. They, don't they don't want, want austerity. Yeah, right. So now let's go to uh, modern day, uh, Chase. Just a, a couple of days ago, uh, things are uh, decided. Votes are held. And, well, oh, my goodness. The crisis in Greece where lawmakers approved a European bailout plan. Even oh. as violence rages in the streets Uh-oh. outside, protesters opposing here, strict austerity measures Woo! attached to this bailout. Uh-oh. And they set fires. They threw homemade bombs at police. You can see the scene. Any Kellogg's live in Athens with more. Amy? Hi, Jenna. Well, the story has kind of moved on from last night. The streets are quiet, and it is very difficult to generalize about the mood on the street, but it could be uh, called fatigue, exhaustion, resignation, and some people actually really are showing kind of a broken spirit, Jenna. Those who are giving this a lot of thought are wondering how on earth Greece is ever going to come out from this massive mountain of debt that it's under, particularly as it looks at another series of loans. Now, the clashes last night were, frankly, nothing compared to what has broken out in the past year, but a few violent anarchists stirred things up. It was an otherwise peaceful protest. They started hurling Molotov cocktails at the police who quickly did get the situation under control. The game-changing action, however, was in Parliament last night, where hours of debate and drama played out. One member of Parliament even destroyed the bill he was being asked to vote on for effect. In the end, 229 voted for the measure, 64 against, 6 abstained. The Prime Minister's Alexis Tsipras's uh, political future is very much on the line here, as he was elected on promises to end austerity, but yep. in the end he had to cave. However... Europe has been very quick to respond to all of this today. Some emergency bridge loans have been provided. The European Central Bank has said that it's going to pump more liquidity into Greece's still go. shuttered banks next week, which is good news. Yeah, And the ECB it. chief, Mario Draghi, said uh, he echoed what the IMF said quite dramatically earlier in the week, which is that Greece cannot sustain this debt. But the question of how to give Greece relief is a very complicated legal and technical issue for the uh, European Union. This union is imperfect, is, and being imperfect is fragile, is vulnerable, and uh, doesn't deliver. That's the very least. It doesn't deliver all the benefits that it could. You know, Jenna, people wonder why instead of getting more bailout money, Greece just doesn't get a break. Some argue that it could uh, be, be given a haircut, but then the problem becomes, what about Portugal? What about Italy? What yep. about Spain? What yep. about other distressed EU economies? That's what I was wondering. So it's all quite complex. Uh, and tomorrow, Germany's Bundestag is going to vote on whether, in fact, it is fully on board with this plan. I wonder, I'd like to hear uh, what the Unfiltered audience thinks, unfiltered.reddit.com. Yeah. Why don't they just get a haircut? Why are they just giving them more and more debt? Why don't they just give them a deal? What am I not missing? Is it because they yeah, have to give everybody else a deal? Is setting that the problem? Up, setting them up to failure? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it hasn't worked before. What's clear. different now? I'm not quite clear. Hey, Chase, yeah. before we come back in and introspective on the U.S., and then yes. uh, from there we're going to mosey on into some uh, pretty interesting... I, I love it. I, I love what we're going to get into, but we will have to, to spend a little time with ISIS. But... 
we have some domestic matters. But before we get there, before we get involved with all of that, I want to mention our Patreon. Patreon.com slash unfilter. 409 people. And, you know, uh, the 400 marks are kind of our benchmark now to make uh, this show possible now that we have a producer who's helping out every single episode. And uh, 409 of you are making this show possible, and we'd love to grow that. Here's a couple of things coming up. And if you're an Unfiltered supporter, you might have just gotten a little preview of this. But there could be, uh, in a month or so, some changes to the show that will be made more and more seamless based on how much support we have. You know what I'm kind of you know what I'm insinuating at without mm-hmm. incommitting? You're you're, you're kind of doing the baseball signal thing, you mm-hmm. know, with the movement of the nose and the, the ears. The hinting yeah, about the yeah. air conditioning, the yeah. road trip, yeah, the, and the... the um, yeah, and there's some there's some equipment involved to make it possible so that way I can contribute during a time that may be coming up that will need our support from our audience to make right. that possible. Yes, and uh, the thing is, is the show if this if we pull this off, I think we'll get a lot better for it. I think there's a way we can do it and make the show even better. Yeah, uh, with my experiences when I'm on the road, getting those, bringing those into the show, adding maybe even a new segment to the show, something new and dynamic that'll be just sort of encapsulated for a temporary period in the Chris show. Chris will be boots on the ground. I don't want to say any more than that. Patreon.com/unfilter. We need your support because we're going somewhere really fun. We've got a producer now. We can make this kind of thing possible. We've been talking about it for a while it's going to be small at first but we need your help a test run if you will yes and uh, also thanks for all of you who stuck around while we were out last week under the weather at least i was patreon.com slash unfilter keeps this show on the air and we do need your support there's no sponsors it's brought to you you by you you guys are our sponsors now this was interesting the fbi wanted to make a stink and they released some footage of a chinese ceo that was selling insider corporate secrets what what So the FBI releasing video of this sting operation where a Chinese CEO exchanges money with an executive for a U.S. glass company for trade secrets. Both arrested, later deported, but authorities say China is becoming more brazen now in its tactics. Leland Vitters live in Washington on this and more. What's the story here? Leland, good morning. Well, good morning, Bill. Exactly. The FBI says cases of corporate espionage have doubled in the past two years and 95 percent of the U.S. companies that have been targeted report that China is to blame. Check out this video from an FBI sting. A Chinese businessman thinks he is buying a top-secret glass formula with a payment of $30,000 in cash. This is secret. Uh, It's confidential. And you understand that, right? It's very confidential. The guy buying, the guy selling the glass secrets is an FBI agent. Soon thereafter, other agents move in and arrested the businessman and his translator. The Bureau says it isn't just Chinese companies looking to steal secrets, but their government as well. The Bureau says with an increasingly unstable world, China and Russia's intelligence services are now stepping up their game, and U.S. companies, along with their unsuspecting executives, make very ripe targets. What proof do we have that he's an intelligence agent and not just some sort of aggressive business person? That's true. Well, it's not the only way that China's challenging the U.S. Hmm. What else are you finding, Leland? Well, exactly. And that is what has the U.S. and our national security folks so worried. Remember, just a few days ago, we learned the administration will not go after the Chinese for that hack of a highly classified government database. Also, in the past few months, U.S. Navy jets flying in international waters have been harassed by the Chinese military, especially over the South China Sea, specifically over these islands you're seeing right now, the Chinese are building them, and they double as military bases. Experts fear they could be used to expand China's sphere of influence all throughout Asia. source very familiar with the White House's thinking on this says when it comes to China, there are very few levers we have to keep them in check, short of declaring war, either the economic kind or the real kind, Bill. Uh, more on this story, right, to come. Leland, thank you. Leland, <laughs> more to come. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about. Remember that, remember that CIA torture report that Diane Feinstein fight like an SOB for some reason to oh, release? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was two reports, actually. There was one that the her committee re- generated, and then there was a report that the CIA itself generated that their report also looked at. Now, how much do you think it costs to make a report? Like, if you're in an agency and you're going to report on yourself, you're going to talk to your own people, you're going to you're going to go look how at your own facilities. How much does it cost? Yeah. Yeah, to investigate yourself, to go talk to your own employees. Oh, well, this is government, right? Yeah. Uh, $100,000. 
$100,000. That'd be, you know, maybe what? Because take, it takes somebody, maybe it takes a really dedicated person a year to organize all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this government agency, yeah. so you take your standard private salary yeah. and you double it. But you got to figure, probably, they probably had an assistant, so maybe what, 160 No, well, part-time assistant, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, so 130000 Okay. And then maybe, like, they had to have somebody to do, like, documentation, so maybe I'd like 150000 Okay, okay, yeah. yeah, okay. So now you're around $150,000. Yeah. You should okay. be able to get a report. Go talk to your own people, yeah. see what happened. Yeah. yeah. Turns out the CIA's report, yeah. you know, to go do that work. Yeah. $40 million. What? documents through a Freedom of Information Act request are shining a light on previous efforts by the CIA to hold out on key details pertaining to alleged instances of torture by the agency. Over 100 pages of contracting documents obtained by Vice News show how the CIA spent a hefty sum of U.S. taxpayer dollars on providing information requested by the U.S. Senate on instances of so-called enhanced interrogation techniques. Now, the price tag on that report, a whopping $40 million paid to a firm called Centra Technology. To a contract firm, buddy. Wow. To a Chris, contract firm. Chris, what are we doing, man? I know, man. What are we doing? Stupid podcast. What are we doing? He's out of Burlington, Massachusetts. Now, most of that money went to administrative support since the CIA was yeah. insisting that most of this work be outsourced. Now, you might remember when late last year, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein took to the Senate floor speaking out against the CIA's reluctance to be forthcoming with the publication of this report. Take a listen. It's no secret to anyone that the CIA does not want this report coming out. Now, in a recent statement made to Vice News, Senator Dianne Feinstein added that those $40 million that the CIA gave to Centra Technology were used to hamper the Senate Intelligence Committee's report, adding that, quote, Not only was this a waste of taxpayer dollars, but the insistence that committee staff traveled to an off-site CIA facility allowed the CIA to spy on the committee's work. I'm pleased these documents are being released so the public can understand exactly what happened. And hopeful this information will help ensure such obstruction of congressional oversight won't happen again. According to the FOIA documents that were released, Centra Technologies charged the CIA more than $120,000 in a single week. <laughs> in a single week, Chase. In a single week. <laughs> How? Wow. In a single and week. why are we a nation of debt? Why? You know, more than $120,000 in a single week in September for work that we can't even tell you about because it's been redacted from the pages of the released documents. Redacted much in the same way as the U.S. Senate's torture report itself that was released last December. And while we may never know exactly what was in those redacted pages, the few things that we have learned are damning in their own right, such as instances where the CIA used insects, rectal feeding, Freezing temperatures and sleep deprivation as methods of these so-called enhanced interrogation techniques or threats made against the families of detainees, the use of waterboarding, and of course, the instances where the CIA lied to senior U.S. White House officials. Hmm. Of course, these latest FOIA documents that have been released do help shed some light on the many questions that we've had over why so much money was spent or arguably wasted on the long-awaited Senate torture report. Manuel Rapalo, RT, Washington. We're left to speculate, that, but I think a lot of that money went to trying to derail the actual reports. That's wow. got to be where that money went. Wow. Uh, now, uh, Chase, you yeah. know, Obama is on his way out, and I think he's oh, got yeah. a few things on his checklist. I mean, you heard him from the opening clip. You know, he feels like, you know, if he ran again, yeah. he could win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, wait, wait till we get to the 2016 section of the show, and I think he might be right. But uh, the White House, I think, wants to get a few things done before he's out. I'd love, I'd love for me to be proven wrong, but I think it's going to be the case. He wants to see something done with gun control something and he also wants to get Gitmo shut the f down wait that was his uh, initial campaign that's promise. why he's got to do it gitmo's got to go despite terror threats on the rise the administration making new moves to close guantanamo bay its reason money it's costing us millions and millions of dollars uh, to, to house these people in Cuba, and there are better, more efficient, effective ways to do that in the United States. But will closing it cost America more? Hi, everyone. I'm Brenda Butner. This is Bulls and Bears. And here they are, the Bulls and Bears this week. We've got Gary B. Smith, Jonas uh, Max Ferris, John Layfield, along with Lisa Booth and Sasha Burns. Welcome to everybody. Okay, Lisa, Gitmo's got to go. 
Uh, Brenda, no, I don't think it should at all. And look, shame on the Obama administration, shame on President Obama, because this isn't about the finances. This isn't about money. This is about fulfilling a campaign promise and prioritizing that over the safety of the American people. We have to keep Guantanamo Bay open because not only is it in our nation's best security interest, but our troops shouldn't have to face the same enemy twice. But that's what's been happening. According to the U.S. intelligence director, 30 percent of the, the Gitmo terrorists that have been uh, released have reengaged in terrorism. Jonas, you agree? Look, I've criticized the cost a lot. It is a lot per person, $2.7 million by some estimates. There's nothing in the Defense Department that makes sense financially. Like, you shoot a missile at somebody at a, for a million dollars. Like, is that person worth killing for a million dollars? Probably not. How about the submarines, which we'll talk about later? But the point is, is that anybody worth putting in prison at that cost is worth killing. If they're that big of a threat, then you've got to keep them in prison at over a million dollars a year per person. That person's a big enough threat to kill. There's no reason to put them in prison. That's Are you buying this? Uh... It's pretty brutal, huh? It's pretty bad. I'll let him finish it. Just All too right. much of a cost. So either you've got to release them, put them in cheaper prisons, or kill them. They shouldn't be doing do that in the first place. Well, but there is a reason to, to keep them, and that is to get information from them. John? Yeah, and, and there's also a human rights problem there of just uh, randomly going by and shooting prisoners because it's too expensive. <laughs> I didn't expect that them. from Jonas somehow. But. <laughs> We're talking numbers. Yeah, but we're all talking about cost here. And, and look, here, here's we have an example of this. Camp Buka, which is the prison that was in southern Iraq, when it was closed in 2011, that is what formed the leadership of ISIS. And you ask, what does that cost? $2.74 billion so far is our fight against ISIS. $9.1 million is what we spend per day. I think there are cheaper ways to do Gitmo. So why do I play all that? So you're wondering, what's the point? That's going to be the argument against it during the 2016 election if it gets pushed that Money. far. So Obama <laughs> is Obama has got to close that S down before he gets out of there, because if that gets pushed into the 2016 election, then that's going to be the argument. I can't take John Layfield seriously about anything. Okay, so before we get out of here, uh, before we get out of all of the U.S. stuff, I have, a one, I have one, two things I want to cover. All right. Because we're kind of running over on time, ma'am. There is an unbelievable amount of stuff in the overtime folder. Uh, oh, boy. Okay, but we've got to get to some of this ISIS stuff. First of all... ISIL, Chris, by the way. Mm, dash. Uh, did you know, Chase, that yeah. some are saying... How long do you think it's going to take to fight ISIS? What is your estimation? Your- oh, at least... Oh, well, we can't put a number on it because we've got to get the next one up and going. You know, can I have some overlap? You mm. know, like Taliban mm-hmm. to ISIS? Mm-hmm. So, so let's see. We've been fighting... Uh, we've been, well, we've been fighting Al-Qaeda for a good solid 10 years. Right. And we just found out today that the Al-Qaeda leader's been dead for three years or whatever. Uh, so I say at least another 10 years. Okay, okay. Yeah, safe. Well, uh, I'll toss, I'll take 10, and I'll give you 20. Ah. New information this afternoon about efforts to degrade and destroy ISIS. Army Chief of Staff Raymond Odierno saying that fight could take 10 to 20 years. The Obama administration has said it would take maybe three years. For more on this, let's go straight to CNN's Jomana Karache, who is in Amman, Jordan, for more details on this. Jomana, what can you tell us? Pamela, as you mentioned, that is what General Odierno today was telling reporters, that it is going to take 10 to 20 years. That is longer than what most had thought uh, within the U.S. administration about how long it was going to take to defeat ISIS. And according to General Odierno, it is going to take more than military action. It is going to require economic and diplomatic measures, in his words. Now, this is something that we have heard from experts and analysts over the past year. This is one year since that military campaign began, and they have been saying all along that military action, that these airstrikes are not enough to defeat ISIS. This is something that we have been seeing on the ground a year on, and the group still controls major cities, whether it's in Iraq or uh, in Syria, for example. Their stronghold of Raqqa, Iraq's second largest city, Mosul, still under the control of ISIS, where the group is very well entrenched there, and they have not been uh, fought in these strongholds as of yet. And we've also seen while the group has lost some territory in some areas like uh, parts of Raqqa province, we saw these uh, mostly Kurdish fighters on the ground backed by U.S. airstrikes able to push back ISIS uh, in some of these areas. We've also seen the group gain ground, for example, in a major city, the provincial capital you know what of I'm catching Anbar here, province. Chase? What's that, Chris? That it's been a year in the ISIS fight. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is producer Matt noticed that a new name or an old name popped back up today on the newsfeed. What's that? The Coruscant Group. 
Coruscant? Really? The, now, for those of you who don't remember, the Coruscant group was actually the first group we bombed in the fight against ISIS because they were directly linked to Al-Qaeda. We bombed them first before we bombed anybody else in the, in the fight against ISIS right. because they were directly linked to Al-Qaeda. Therefore, we could do them. We could, we could start this fight under authorization right. to fight terrorism linked to Al-Qaeda. And it's interesting. Here we are a year in, and uh, the Coruscant group is showing back up on our news feeds. Interesting. You know, your buddies over in Turkey, Chase. My good friend? Yeah, they've decided to uh, join the fight against ISIS. Well, the U.S. is planning a new military campaign with help from Turkey this time to create an ISIS-free zone in northern Syria. But our alliance with Turkey, it gets pretty complicated. Because Turkey wants very much to get rid of Syria's president, Assad. Something that the United States once said it wanted to, but is clearly not our main focus at the moment. In fact, the people that Turkey will now be helping are helping keep Assad in power. Arizona Congresswoman Martha McSally summed it up this way. Turkey uh, seems to be willing to get more involved, but it's part of uh, you know, a convoluted and uh, dis- really sort of incoherent strategy that we're dealing with. So the media is trying to give you a message here, Chase, that Turkey is getting involved with the fight with ISIS, but uh, there is a disadvantage, but they don't want to tell you what it is. In the Middle East uh, and related to the fight against ISIS, that you know, the friend of our friend is our friend and the enemy of our enemy is our, is our friend. And it's, if you look at these different factions, it becomes uh, really difficult to understand. All right, so let's try to understand it with retired four-star General Jack Keane, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War and a Fox News military analyst. So we have some different goals, Turkey and the United States. How does that work? Yeah, pretty much. And listen, the, the situation in Syria is a tough situation. And, and you can argue on e- either side of this thing and kind of make some sense, to be frank about it. So l- let's get into it a little bit. I mean, what, what Turkey and the Arab allies of ours who are bordering Syria want to do is end the civil war in Syria and then take on ISIS. They don't believe you can be successful. All right, so he's not being truthful. So here's what's really going on right. is, uh, So we are now getting access to airfields in Turkey. So we can launch uh, our, our attacks directly from Turkey's airfields. That's a huge deal for us. It's saving us a ton of fuel. Oh, yeah. Turkey has also already launched a few airstrikes into Syria against, quote-unquote, ISIS militants. But here's the good news for Turkey. Here's the, uh, you know, the payoff that Turkey gets, Chase. In return for uh, Washington's use of the airfields and all of that, Turkey has made it clear to its NATO allies and Western allies that it will not only be targeting ISIS in this attack. In fact, it's using its Western pleasure over its new involvement in the ISIS campaign to leverage allied acceptance of wider clampdowns on other groups Turkey views as terrorists, notably militant Kurds. As in anybody that Turkey considers a terrorist group, it is now open war on them, and so they're including ISIS in the them. That's the deal, and we're letting them do it in exchange for use of their airfields wow. and some involvement. Have at it, Turkey, and welcome Here you go. to the fight. And one more story just on this. Oh, we're going to get a better understanding of Turkey's war on terror and the complicated, very complicated battlefield that we're talking about. Faraz Jerzez joins us now to dissect a few maps of the region. He's professor of Middle Eastern politics and international relations at the London School of Economics and Political Science just around the corner. First of all, we want to look at this area of uh, northern Syria. We've got this dotted line. It's what they're calling a safe zone. Just explain what they're trying to do here. Well, I mean, uh, reportedly there's an agreement, Max, between the United States and Turkey about establishing a 60-mile safe zone. The idea behind the safe zone is to clear the 60 miles, to clear ISIS or Daesh fighters and replace... Now, this safe zone, I believe, I'm not quite sure... But I, I believe it is it is safe words. It's like speak for a no-fly zone. We're going to make a no-fly zone here. We're going to enforce a no-fly zone. But if it was a no-fly zone, there's war. And we say in opposition. Um, if you ask me, what's the what what does what is it in it for Turkey? Turkey has three major objectives. First, it wants to get rid of the ISIS fighters on its borders. It wants to prevent the establishment of a contiguous uh, uh, Kurdish regions. Look at the safe zone. That basically. It prevents the Kurds from having a contiguous region in the whole. And thirdly, of course, it wants to speed up the process of ousting the Syrian president, Bashar al-Assad. This is what, what Turkey wants. And the United States has obviously reluctantly accepted a limited free zone as opposed to a larger and wider free zone that Turkey wants. So it's a compromise. You pointed out the Kurdish areas here and here. What does it mean for them? This is the major uh, question, the major challenge facing both, I mean, the United States, the, I mean, 
Turkey has joined the international coalition. If you tell me what's the most potent and skilled fighting force in Syria, what would it be? It would be the Kurds. For the last year or so, the Kurds have basically defeated ISIS in Kobani, in mm-hmm. Tel Abyad. Mm-hmm. They have captured almost 200 villages. Mm-hmm. They are really an ideal local force. But and separate groups of Kurds as well, because that's complicated in itself. We're not talking PKK, so, right? So the question is, on the table, will there be a kind of a compromise, coordination between the United States and Turkey and the Syrian opposition on the one hand, and the Kurdish forces? Or will we see now mm-hmm. basically so. the fracturing yeah. of the local fighting force inside Syria. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So we'll yeah. keep following it on the show. But totally. it's interesting to have them join the fight chase. And uh, there is a lot more in there. There's also a lot more in the Iran deal in the uh, overtime folder and in the supporter sync. You guys should definitely go check that out. Also, some interesting new uh, leaks around the MH17 crash. Yeah. Some, some footage around that. And so we have not only all of the new stuff around MH17 in the supporter sync, which if you're a $5 or more Patreon supporter, you get access to this. Not only do we have all of the new footage, like uh, check this out right here. This is uh, like a, a little tease of it um, from, from 2014. Let me jump ahead to give you a little taste of, uh, uh, come on, come on here. So this is radio communications back and forth, supposedly between uh, Russian separatists. Saying we are 100% sure it's a civilian plane. Is there a lot of people and they're on the ground uh, taking uh, talking about it? Anyways, we have a whole bunch of footage about that. And then Chase, what is really great is producer Matt went through and found all of the old clips from episode 107 and 108 of the Unfiltered Show. Oh, uh, our flashback action, our predictions, our clips from, and all of that. Nailed it. Just saying, and uh, so that's all in the overtime. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Let's get into uh, 2016, and we haven't talked about your good friend. My good buddy. Jeb. Ah, Mr. Jeb Bush. How's he doing? We haven't talked about him a lot, and he's doing really good when it comes to the money department. In fact, your other good buddy, Carl Rove. Oh, uh, Carl. Stopping by to tell us about it. He's on my quick dial. The 2016 presidential campaign expected to become the most expensive in history, and Governor Jeb Bush is pulling way ahead on the Republican side when it comes to fundraising. His super PAC raking in more money from more money than rival candidates from either party. Take a look at how Bush's fundraising stacks up to Mitt Romney's at this point in the last election. So at this point in the last election, uh, <laughs> Mitt Romney had 12.2 million raised, and Jeb had 103 million raised. Has 103 you million. know what? M- money's not important. That is a pretty big difference. Yeah, it's not important. The pro-Bush super PAC raising $103 million in the first half of this year, while a pro-Romney super PAC raised just over $12 million in the first half of 2011. Let's talk about it with Carl Rove, a former senior advisor and deputy chief of staff to President George W. Bush and a Fox News contributor. Carl, thanks for being here. The early, uh, the early assessment of Jeb Bush's campaign was that they were going to get into the race, they were going to raise so much money that all the other potential competitors would be scared out of the race. The latter part of that didn't happen, but they sure have raised a lot of money. They have raised a lot of money. I, I'm not certain they really thought that they'd be able to scare anybody out of the race. That's, that's uh, I think, a, a, a simple view. Nobody's going to be uh, at the beginning of a presidential campaign scared out of the race by money because they're all entertaining ideas that they can ultimately raise enough to win. But, yeah, it was an impressive number. It's even more impressive when you think about it in this way. I think way. he's got a problem. Uh, here, oh, is, wow. here are the top four fundraisers. It, it, uh, Bush, $114 million between his super PAC and his campaign. Ted Cruz, $52 million between the PAC and, the, and his campaign. Marco Rubio, 45. Then Scott Walker at 26. He, he entered the race after... You know who's the- not even on there at all? Chris Christie. Yeah. Is that interesting? Why is he not on there? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Well, we'll what about Trump? Why is he moment. not on there? You know what, I, Trump? Yeah, let's talk about Trump. Do you think the Republican leaders are uh, losing their S right now over all this yes, stuff? Yes, totally. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump is... Uh, I, is he a joke? Is he a distraction? What do you think? What are your? What's your honest gut feeling of him right now? Well... You got a lot of people, and I've seen the the comments on Facebook and on Twitter that the, they're they're vo- they're they're putting their their energy and their their vote behind him just because he's not the status quo. They don't care that he's saying outrageous things. It's because of just the whole politics in general. I, I got to play this one clip, and yeah. then we'll go on because it's it, his interaction with the media is at least kind of fun. Personal story segment tonight: Donald Trump. New Monmouth University poll says he's way out in front, New Hampshire, among likely Republican voters up there. 
Trump stands at 24 percent, Jeb Bush 12, John Kasich 7, Scott Walker 7, Marco Rubio 6. So Mr. Trump's remarks about John McCain have not hurt him, at least in that poll. Here's what I said about Trump a week ago. He has no fear. He could not care less about censoring himself, and the press does not intimidate him. So because of that approach, the media believe they must punish Mr. Trump for being disrespectful and not cowering before them. Now, some in the media said I was covering for Trump <laughs> by stating what I stated. Absurd. I was speaking the truth. Roll the tape. Donald Trump, has he hijacked the Republican Party? Is he hijacking? What, at what point do you say ah, enough is enough? It is interesting how Donald Trump sticks to his guns, even when he doesn't produce evidence to back up his claims. Donald Trump has been driving the clown car the last couple of weeks. And when it comes to the 2016 elections. And joining us now from Washington, Bob Kisak, editor in chief of The Hill. I just wanted to play those highlights there. Yeah. I just think, it's, you know, they really don't know what to do with the Trump stuff, and I think it's pretty interesting. Now, you can, you guys can find plenty of stuff online with Donald Trump if you want to watch more, but I don't know exactly what our coverage of it should so, be. So, so, so you're thinking, uh, Chris, you're still sticking with Hillary, huh? Let's talk about Hillary for a little bit. Let's see how yeah. Hill Dog is doing. You know, it's rough how for Hillary. How about those emails, Chris? There is a problem, Chase. Guess what? Mm. You got to mind that gap. Fox News alert, new revelations into months of missing Hillary Clinton emails. The Daily Beast reports a two-month gap. That gap shows no emails between... Can you guess when that two-month gap is? Can you just... Do you have a guess? <laughs> if you're going to guess, when is Hillary Clinton's two-month gap for her State Department tenure? Oh, gosh. It must be during this whole Libya conflict Clinton situation. Clinton and her staff mm. in the period of escalating Benghazi. violence in Libya. Huh. Critical time here. Bob Cusack. Yeah. I'm shocked. And Bob, good morning to you. So our viewers ago. know this is May and June of 2012. It's mm -hmm. three months before the Benghazi attack. You say this highlights two potential problems for Hillary Clinton. What are they? Well, first of all, you have more questions. I mean, five months, nearly five months after her first press conference to try to put the email controversy to rest, we still have all these questions. And Bill, it goes right to the question of trust. And that her numbers on that issue have been declining, and that is a major concern uh, for Democrats. Um, John Boehner, the House Speaker, said yep. this about the latest revelation here. Watch. Now, let's not be fooled here. Uh, Secretary Clinton is a former senator, a former Secretary of State. Uh, she knows exactly how classifying material works. At this point, the best thing for Mrs. Clinton to do is to come clean and just turn the server over to the IG at the State Department. So she says she'll testify, but there's no deal when that will happen. And until yeah. the House committee gets all these emails, that's the rub, right? Yeah, that's a rub, Bill. There's no doubt about it. Republicans don't want her to testify until they have all the information, because she's only going to testify once. She has mentioned that. Her lawyers have said, okay, she'll come up to Capitol Hill, but only once. Now, Hillary Clinton and her team have said when she was sending emails at the time, they weren't classified, but we, don't, we haven't seen all the emails maybe yet. Maybe now State they Department. are. still going through that process. Hillary Clinton says all those work-related emails should be released, and she favors that. But there is so much concern, I think, among Democrats of what next, what will happen. This is a bit of a stink, I got to say, that is around her neck now. Chris, is, Chris what did I predict? You, uh, you said this would be a problem. I said, and you're, and you're like, no, this is going to blow over. No one's going no to remember this. No say, one's going to think about no it. There's no way she can say she was out of loop because she was so tuned into the loop that she had this gaffe. Oh, so, I mean, that is the land of unconfirmed. Right? Yes, we came. We saw he died. <laughs> did it have anything to do with your visit? No, oh, I'm sure it did. She's talking about the death of Gaddafi right there. Yeah. No, I'm sure it did. As in, yeah, they, as in, they killed him as a special treat for me while I'm here. That's what she's saying there. Let's just this look, is Hillary look how Clinton. She is. Yeah, just this is Hillary Clinton who's running for president, celebrating the death of the leader of Libya. By the way, allegedly your next president of the United States. So, I mean, that is the land of unconfirmed. Yes, we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> did it have anything to do with your visit? No, oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. So, Chris, uh, she's got your vote, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Chase. 
And that's 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 the real Hillary Clinton right there. Wow. Uh, you can watch that yourself if you'd like. And that's in the uh, Unfiltered Supporters wow. sync. So, yeah, her emails are up. But let's talk about your friend, your buddy, Chris My Christie. Good. Oh, what? hey, uh, how's New Jersey and Chris doing? So uh, we've, we've talked about we've talked about another friend, Chris. Here's my theory yeah. is the uh, so we are just days away from the first Republican debates. And I think after the Republican debates, Chris Christie is going to take the role of vice president. No, he's gonna he's gonna take over the role in the in the reality television show that Donald Trump is playing right now. Oh. The, the, the straight talker, tell it like it is. But this guy is now he's an adult. He's gonna actually get work done because we're gonna play a little bit of this. Bear with it because I want you to see how Chris Christie performs as soon as he gets under pressure. And tell me this isn't gonna be a hell of a show. Bringing in uh, one of the biggest names in politics today, who wants to be the next president of the United States, uh, Governor Chris Christie. Welcome back to Fox and Friends. Happy to be back. Hey, uh, uh, Governor, uh, uh, first off, as uh, you get ready uh, for the August 6th debate, how important is it for you to be on that stage? Well, listen, it's going to be great to be on the stage, great to be there with the other. He's not actually confirmed yet to be in the debate at this point. Candidates who are competing for our nomination, and uh, I'm looking forward to being in Cleveland on August 6th. Surely. Of course, it, it all depends on how people rank to get into that uh, 9 o'clock show. Um, Governor, you have said that uh, Donald Trump hurts the credibility of the party. He was talking about entitlements. You say he hurts the uh, credibility of the party. But right now, you look at the uh, polls, for instance, the Monmouth County uh, uh, College poll from New Jersey looking at no, New Hampshire. Like he is at 24 percent and currently you're at 4 percent. Yeah. So so what's that mean exactly? Oh. Is it, you know, what's that got to do with what he's talking about? I mean, I, I don't you know, I don't understand. I know that that there are lots of folks who are obsessed with polls right now, uh, but that has nothing to do with the credibility of some of the things that he said. I was asked a direct question at a town hall um, and I gave a direct answer. That's what I do. Um, but no one asked about polls except for you guys. Uh, someone asked you about Monmouth poll yesterday and you blew up. You said the poll is is not worth anything, that the guy who runs it doesn't like you. No, I didn't. First off, I didn't blow up. Um, so let's stop with that stuff, guys. Uh, I give my opinion. I've been dealing with the, the head of the Monmouth poll for um, for many years uh, because it's a New Jersey based poll. And all I suggest to all of you is go and look at his tweets. If you go look at his tweets, this is not an objective pollster. This is a liberal um, who likes to spout liberal uh, things. And, and I think his polls reflect that. So I was just making that observation. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't blow all up. All right. So it's kind of funny how he's handling this stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, have you heard about how he handled himself during a town hall meeting? Well, he just said, you know. Yeah, you got to hear this. This is unbelievable. Nine days to go until the Fox News Republican debate in Ohio. And as of today, it is still anyone's guess as to who exactly will take the stage in Cleveland next Thursday night. The Real Clear Politics average of all polls, which we don't actually use for this event, gives us a good snapshot of the field. Again, it's not exactly how we're going to make our decision, however. But RCP right now has Trump, Bush, Walker, Rubio, and Huckabee in the top group. Carson, Cruz, Christie, Paul, and Kasich round out the the top 10. But, and this is important, Perry, Santorum, Jindal, and Fiorina are all still within striking distance. So the next few days will be critical for the entire field. Case in point, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who was campaigning in Iowa over the weekend when someone in the audience started to attack the governor as anti-gun. We cut a little of what followed. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Jim. Listen, I understand. You've got, you've got a point of view. But your point of view is dead wrong. Go and look at the record. You just raised a 50 caliber rifle as if that was something that I did. I vetoed it. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, but your information is wrong. I vetoed the 50 caliber ban. I also vetoed the, the, the law that was passed and said to my desk to reduce magazine size from 15 to 10. Now, is that somebody who's anti-gun and anti-gun rights who vetoes that as well? I understand if you have a, point of, view, have a point of view, but have some facts to back it up. What are your facts to back up that I'm anti-gun? Oh, no, no. All right. So, so, now, so now you're interpreting intent. I had to get muscled into it by who? Who's, who's muscled me? So don't, so don't talk to me about being anti-gun as governor and raise something to me that was 20, that was, t- listen, that was 20 years ago. This is, I mean, I mean, there's a certain point where maybe you kind of cut back and you kind of stop. Yeah, I mean, he made his point. Yeah. It was a good, solid point. Mm-hmm. And then he needs to dial it down. Debate. 
hate me, come in the top 10, run for president, and come to Fox on uh, Cleveland on August 6th. I think it's interesting that he's so convinced that he's going to get it that he's even mentioning it right here, even though he's not necessarily winning in the polls. It's almost like... Like now, I don't know if you, you caught Megan's statement at the beginning, you know, before she introduced this clip and talk about, well, you know, this is not how, you know, this is not how we're going to pick our, our top 10 or whatever. I think they're giving themselves an out yeah. to pick who they want to pick. Yeah, because he's obviously campaigning to get on there by doing that. Right. And I'm happy to debate you, but here's what you'll have to do then and what you failed to do this morning. Come up with one fact. No, no, you didn't. One fact and one thing I've done as governor of New Jersey that's done anything, anything, not to support the rights of legal gun owners. This is the kind of garbage that people put out who have an agenda. Work for the candidate you want to work for. That's fine by me. But don't come in front of this group of people and lie about my record, which is what you did. I see. When I see that, I, I mean, that, that in some ways it's respectable. In other ways, it almost seems a little out of control because it seems like uh, that required like a, a level five response, and he just yeah. gave him like a level fifty response. But maybe he gave the level fifty response because he knew this was being recorded, and you know he's trying yeah. to show that he's he's being tough and being straight. And he on wanted his to get it played on Fox News, yeah, exactly, well, and, he, right? and he did give a plug. Yeah, so what do you think? Uh, are you going to vote for uh, Chris Christie there, uh, there uh, Chase? Ooh, uh, gonna, I don't know. Clinton, Christie, yeah. they're all good friends of mine, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, you got a tough call there, don't I you? I do. you got a really tough call. I do. Yeah, we do. So go, you have um, we have more stuff in the uh, overtime folder if you guys want to go check that out. But uh, we're going to leave it uh, around right about there. Boy, there are so many things in the overtime folder. But you know, Chase, before we get out, there's a couple of like vegetables we want to cover. Mm. A couple of basics about the Unfiltered Show that I feel mm. like if people knew about, it might make them an even better unfiltered contributor because they don't even have to you know support us financially over on the patreon page if they can't no, no no there's lots of ways they could contribute like maybe in our subreddit that's right they can head over to unfilter.reddit.com where you can actually enjoy and engage in the conversation you know there's many many of you who contributed to the show this way and we love you because we're able to pull shows and our producer is able to pull yeah. ideas yeah. and conversation from that page that's that makes me want to give all of them a hug. How can I How can I ever make up for that? <laughs> Unfiltered.reddit.com. Give them a virtual hug. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is, I don't know if you noticed, Chris, but there's now over 2,100 readers on the subreddit. That's nuts. It's nuts. It goes up every single week, That's which cool. is great. Yeah. Um, there's an article on there about Michael Moore film is going to be attacked. Yeah, a new Michael Moore film. Yeah, yeah about the, Moore uh, basically the, the yeah. 30-year war we just talked about. I know. I mean, incredible stuff. I love... The discussions. That's the best part about it. Yeah, I'd like to see even more. Patreon, uh, go to unfilter.reddit.com. Patreon.com slash unfilter if you want to financially support this show and help us. We're going to be getting on the road soon, and we're going to take a leap of faith here, and we'll need your support to make it actually really viable. Patreon.com slash unfilter. More information as that approaches. It's a little ways out. Chase, is there anywhere you want to send people throughout the week? You know, if they want to follow me on the Twitter, I love doing the Twitter thing. Oh, really? At Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. If you're following me on Twitter, you would have gotten the late-breaking news before anybody else about the security Hmm. uh, threat to my neighborhood. That seems worth it. Now, Chris. Yeah. Uh, people want to follow you during these updates, possible road trip maybe or something. Where would be a good place for them to get updates? Well... If I were them, Chase. Yes, Chris. Twitter.com slash Chris LAS. That's uh-huh. mine. Yeah. Uh, and then also we have Twitter.com slash Jupiter Signal. Ooh. Yeah, that's a network news, like, broadcast signal. I highly will. suggest they should follow you because yeah. if they do and you come and visit me next week, they might get some mm-hmm. pictures, some inside stuff. And if you're in the Washington area, uh, follow me there because from time to time I'm going out and grabbing drinks and uh, tweeting about it, doing uh, local meetups. That's Boom. another great way to do that. Love also, that. check out jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for the unfiltered live times when it moves around, when it gets canceled, when it's actually live. All of that gets updated to your local time zone, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash live to join us live on a Wednesday and we'll see you right back here next, next week. week.